Pastor Paul broadcasting from the back of the Gilbert porch here. We are representing uh, this morning with Olaf, one of my all-time favorite mugs. If you don't know who this is, then I'm sure there's not really any, any hope for you this side of heaven. But nonetheless, we're here studying through the book of Revelation. We are up to Revelation chapter 5. And let me give us, uh, let me pray for us first, then we're going to dive into this just <laughs> extraordinary 14 verses. So let's go. Lord, we're coming to you this morning reminded from Revelation 4 yesterday that you were on your throne, that our hope is in an occupied throne. Our hope is not in who is on or who is not on the thrones um, here on earth, but Lord, you're on the throne of the universe and all things are under your power and control and we want to be comforted and encouraged by that at the end of chapter four or on the throne the holy of holies god almighty himself is there and it tells us here at the beginning of uh, chapter five that the the king of kings has in his hand a scroll so the king is holding a scroll and the whole focus of, of this chapter, and in fact, really, the rest of Revelation centers around the reading and unfolding and revealing of what is on the scrolls. Now, scrolls, just like thrones we talked about yesterday, thrones were highly significant in the life of those who lived um, under the Roman Empire and its regime. So obviously, there was Caesar um, and, or, or local kings and governing authorities that derived their power from Caesar, who sat on various thrones. But you have these kings, you have these rulers, but the way that they would issue their edicts, their decrees, their will, um, their marching orders, so to speak, were through scrolls, right? So they were the equivalent, um, in a sense, of, of, of the executive order from the president or um, the, 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 the official decree from, from Congress or something like this, but, but it was how the King's decrees were carried out. Um, they were both, they both held the instructions, okay, for what, um, what the King's will was. And by virtue of opening them, um, they had the full authority of the king or the Caesar behind them, the will of the sovereign was going to be carried out. And the way that they would, they would do this is that they would, they would write on these scrolls and they would seal them. And the seals were obviously um, to, to, to be a witness, okay, um, to when they were broken open. So obviously, if, if you got a scroll and its seals were already broken, that means that somebody has already opened that, that scroll. They have already begun to, um, to, to fix, um, so to speak, um, or go to work on what the scroll says. But the seals, in fact, were meant to be a means, okay, of, of testifying to the fact that this scroll has been read, that its decrees have been ushered forth. And what we see here in this text is that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe is holding these scrolls in his hand. And he's looking around, wondering 
who is going to be able to open and read the scrolls? Who who is it that's going to um, to to be able to execute these decrees? Now, when we see here that these this scroll that's in the hands of of God, what it really signifies for us? Because because note here in the text where it says that it was written on the front and the back, and and this I think is meant to signify to us that. What, what, what God is holding here is his eternal plan, is his plan for humanity. Um, these are his eternal decrees. This is his plan of redemption. Um, on these scrolls is how God is going to order all things and execute his sovereign will to bring about his will. And, and more specifically, how he is going to rescue mankind. How is he going to save his people? And obviously, because um, this is a man problem and a God, man problem meaning man is separated from God, man is at odds with God, man has been, you know, the world is in chaos and rebellion against God. It's going to have to be a man, okay, who makes things right or who stands in the stead of those who've been, who are already separated. And so everybody's looking around. So just imagine this for a second. The question is asked, a mighty angel in verse 2, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? In other words, who has the power, the authority to execute the sovereign decrees of God, the redemptive plan of God? And look in verse 3, it says, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So what John is basically telling us is that man is hopeless. Um, man needs a champion. Man needs a sovereign. Man needs someone who can execute these decrees to remedy the situation that we find ourselves in with God. But no one, no one is found who is worthy. In fact, it's just, it's what I call the holy sound of crickets. There is just absolute silence um, in the throne room because mankind is now in a hopeless helpless estate so that that's the picture that John is wanting to um, to paint for us and he begins to weep because without a champion without a Messiah without someone um, from our own ranks to redeem us man is hopelessly lost and you can kind of get this sense of the, the drama that's unfolding in heaven as John is weeping and Everybody is silent and just waiting to, to find out who can, who can enact these eternal redemptive decrees on the part of hopeless man. And then, and then like kind of like into the stillness, one of the elders puts his hand on John. Look in verse 5 and says, Weep no more. The line of Judah, line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll. And so, so this is a dramatic picture. And, and, and John is using two kind of images, metaphors for, for the Messiah here, which is obviously Jesus. One, he is a lion. He is a conquering lion he has 
slayed his enemies. He has conquered death. But at the same time, he is a lamb. That the way he slayed his enemies, the way he conquered death, was through his sacrifice on the cross for us. So he was a lamb looking as if it was slain. And, and, and here is where all of the attention pours out and focuses on the lamb who was slain, that is Jesus. And so what we know is that Jesus is the center of our worship. Jesus is the center of the worship of heaven. Jesus is God's only hope provided for mankind. And it is only he because, okay, one, he lived a perfect life. He became man. He represented man to God. He also paid a penalty for sin. And again, we see that look in verse 9. Worthy are you to, op to take the scroll and to open its seals. Listen, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And so there had to be a perfect sacrifice without spot or blemish in order to rectify our sin problem with God. And John is telling us that person is Jesus. And as Jesus is being revealed as the only one worthy, only one capable of fixing our situation, it says all of heaven is bowing down and worshiping him. All of God's people, all of the angels, all, all of animate creation, myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands, it tells us. In verse 11, all proclaiming with a loud voice. Verse 13, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and glory and honor and might forever and ever. And so now we'll understand a little bit better of the dramatic thing this is going to be one day when every, t knee, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, um, we will all proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and the way he procured our salvation was through his sacrificial death. Interesting, okay, that God the Son, eternal, never had a beginning, emanating from the Father, okay, as his Son, but not always a man. He only became a man when he was sent to earth, right? But now he exists and is both 100% God and 100% man, which is why we, even though Jesus died once for all, you and I still need a mediator. You and I still need um, a remedy for our sin. And so, so Jesus is a risen ruling lamb, a, a, the lion of Judah. He is at the right hand of the Father, interceding, offering sacrifices on our behalf. And you could just imagine for John being in this place. He, he goes from just utter despair to, um, to just jo rapturous joy over the fact that we finally, God's people, have someone who is our champion. Now, what's going to happen, I think, from the rest of this point forward is that there are these seven seals, which are symbolic, okay, on the scroll, which is also symbolic. And the rest of Revelation is going to tell us about what happens when each of these seals are broken and the eternal decrees of God are read. And, and these are going to happen one at a time. And we'll explain a little bit more, I think, about how this is going to work itself out when we get into chapter 6 tomorrow. 
but but this is not without precedence. So in the ancient uh, world, you would have this gigantic scroll and it would have multiple seals on it. But as these seals were broken one at a time, it was kind of like playing the scratch off game, right? Where you scratch off the number and see if you win. Um, you, as these seals are broken one at a time, you, get to, you got to read part of the scroll, okay? Then the second seal was broken, you read that part, kind of in succession, like almost like a book or chapters in a book. And that's what's going to happen. That's what the stage is being set. The lamb is worthy to open the scroll. The, the lamb is worthy to read the eternal decrees of God. The lamb is, has the full authority to carry them out. And now John is going to turn this into what does that look like? What does that mean for God's people? And he's going to unfold for us sort of the, the, the succession or the history of redemption. What happens in God's judgment? What happens when Christ returns? What happens to God's enemies? What happens for God's people? But one, but one, but before, but that'll be tomorrow. But, but one last thing I'll say today is that um, what we have here is we have a gospel of both kingdom and cross. And here's what we mean by that: um, God has come, sent His Son Jesus Christ to make all things new to redeem the world, to renew the world, to make things right, to fix what was broken in the garden. He is going to be establishing his kingdom. But the way that that becomes good news for us, okay, because God is obviously completely justified just to wipe us out, okay, because of our sin, he's going to establish his kingdom through his cross. It's going to be through his own death and resurrection that God um, purchases our redemption that we're able to participate with him in the kingdom and so just maybe just a, a small piece of encouragement application for us today as we are giving thanks to Jesus as we are looking to him as the author and perfecter of our faith as we are confessing our sin and finding forgiveness there pray that God would also open our eyes to what he wants to do in gathering up all of his people um, in building his kingdom um, here on earth as it is in heaven. And so that means us proclaiming this message of good news. This means moving forward into the places where, um, you know, God's rule and power and authority have not manifested themselves. And it just helps give us a bigger picture perspective of what God is doing in the world and in our lives beyond just me personally. Um, but in fact, what he's doing globally, collectively, in his people, in his church. He's working for the good and the renewal of the world. And because we are God's people, we get to participate in that. So just an awesome chapter, um, Revelation 5. As I said, tomorrow, Revelation 6, we're going to look at what happens as these seals are broken, the God's eternal decrees are revealed and proclaimed and sent forth, all because the power of the Lamb who was slain. Lord, this is heavy stuff. This is, I mean, we're getting a glimpse into the very uh, eternal counsel and decrees that you have set forth. Lord, we thank you that it's only possible because of your son, Jesus Christ, who is the lamb that was slain for us. We ask these things in his name. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back here tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of